1: Let's get started. Today, I talk with Richard Reese, co-founder of Most Recommended Books, a website that tells you which books have shaped the world's most successful people. Before Richard learned to code at Lambda School and started Most Recommended Books, he worked in L.A. at a movie studio with his dad, which is his first experience at a startup. Those five years working with his dad making movies was a baptism by fire to the realities of what it's like to create something from nothing. He learned that distribution is something that is really tough to get right, even tougher than creating something from nothing. He learned that once you build it, you're really only half done. Then you have to sell it. This is why having a co-founder that complements you is so important. If one of you can build it, then the other should be able to sell it. That's a powerful combination that's rare to have in any one person. He learned to make sure you think about how to sell what you create rather than doing it later. He's also a big believer in doing lots of small projects to see what sticks. We talk about how he came up with the idea for Most Recommended Books, and now he has built it into a nice business. Most Recommended Books is a perfect example of scratching your own itch and testing an idea by just doing things and seeing what happens. Now, let's get better together. Richard Reese, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Derek.
1: So uh, you have a pretty cool uh, website that... Uh, it's called Most Recommended Books. And it's a actually a really fascinating idea that I can't wait to dig a little bit more into because, of course, I like to write books and read books. And who who doesn't? If if you're an entrepreneur, you absolutely need to read lots and lots of books. But before we do that, why don't you give us just a little bit of a background on how you came to do what you're doing right now?
2: Cool. Uh, well, I, I, I um, come from... Uh angola which is south of africa i moved a lot growing up like i i would move to different schools in different countries every three years so i was always um you know doing things a little bit differently um and and that is why i naturally drifted towards um building stuff you know so the the choice was between you know um work at a normal job or, or start building stuff. And, uh, I, I just always drifted naturally towards, uh, things like that. And, and kind of like with any idea, you know, it, it wasn't a lot of planning. You just kind of stumble into these cool opportunities and you seize, uh, the chance. And that is how I, I stumbled into, um, most recommended books.
1: Hmm. And so, do you have a coding background, or did you? Where did you? A technical. So
2: I, I, well, I learned how to code about two or three years ago, um, at this uh, bootcamp named Lambda School. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. About.
1: I am a uh, just. I am a uh, what's it called? A project sponsor at Lambda School. We can talk about that a little bit later.
2: Oh, cool, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Lambda's awesome. Uh, that's where I learned how to code. I had always you know um done a little bit of coding here and there uh when i was you know like 14 i would uh like hack my computer i have a few youtube videos uh tutorial showing people how to hack your computer from when i was 14 15 but really like the the formal coding training came from lambda school and that was about 2 years ago
1: cool Cool. Yeah. I mean, Lambda School is such an interesting model. Um, one of my friends, Mark, actually um, started doing, I think he's been at it for like three months now or something. I don't remember exactly when he started, but he he actually slacked me um, and he's like, hey, Lambda School is looking for projects um, that they could give to their students does any do you have an idea for a project? And I'm like, oh, do I have the project idea for you guys? <laughs> um, which, which ended up um, being in their last yep. labs batch, which I think is labs 22 now is continuing wow. on to labs 24. Uh, and it's something that we're calling data driven transit. Um, and it's related to the SFMTA or the San Francisco municipal transportation agency and oh. making Muni wow. better. So, it's a really cool idea of of how they have, you know, UX UI, back end and data science like come together in these little capstone projects which I've been yeah. so far it's been really cool to just kind of be this is what I want and then they kind of go build it or at least you know we kind of negotiate that but um it's a really cool program. I mean they they, they seem to be pretty on top of it. Um
2: yeah, Is that your experience? Awesome. And, and they- Yeah, absolutely. And you also learn how to work, uh, in teams, you know, so that was uh, quite important for me. It was how do you work with other developers? Um, not just which tools you use, but like, how do you communicate? How do you divide who gets to do what? So that was super, super valuable.
1: Neat. And what, what track did you end up doing?
2: I did. So when I did it, I was, um, the seventh cohort so back then they called it a what was it cs so like computer science track now it's known as the web development track
1: oh okay okay cool cool and um so what, what did you do before you were you learned how to code what was sort of your your day job
2: before learning how to code so i worked in los angeles for a few years uh my father started a a a movie business they're a small production company and um i he i didn't really grow up uh, with him so this was just a good opportunity to learn from someone uh who's who's one of the most interesting uh founders i've met you know so getting to work directly side by side with him and learning from him was just a, a really great experience
1: So you were what what kind of movies were you guys doing?
2: It it was smaller, so like straight to DVD movies. um, It was uh, we did one small theatrical release, which didn't do too well theatrically, but then it did well on uh, streaming platforms like Netflix and iTunes. Um, And that was uh, it. Was kind of like a a uh, it, it really actually it really was a startup. So oh, yeah. he really yeah, so he really started from scratch, and I got to um participate with him for for uh, i would say five years, wow. so it was a bit of a baptism by fire yeah it was it was a lot of work um but it it was very very cool um,
1: yeah. Most, most movies, like I have some friends in LA and then they do like TV stuff. Like they were doing reality TV shows for Murray Brum. I think it's Murray Brum. I can never get their name right. But, um, but they would always tell me how they would like, they would bring a team together, do the season and then the team would go away. I mean, it's the ultimate like job shop kind of thing where you pull, literally pull the entity together you get all the money, you do the production, yeah. and then they, everyone goes off on their merry way.
2: And what we did was interesting, because um, there was that. It's like there are times where you're employing hundreds of people, and then it's like three people you know so it's it's uh that was definitely interesting, and what my dad really was trying to do was his own mini studio, which meant um all the financing. All the production and all the distribution was handled in one place. Uh, the financing and production we did quite successfully. The distribution is where it gets really tricky. And this is where a company like Netflix is so interesting because they started with the distribution, right? So yeah. they built this platform where people can watch movies yeah. and then they went into production. So they started doing their own content. We did the other way, which was super hard and doesn't work as well, which <laughs> is we would produce our movies and then we'd also try to distribute them ourselves. But what really happens in Hollywood, the right way to do things is you you make a movie, let's say you shoot something, and uh you go to the studios. So you go to 20th Century Fox or you go to Universal or you go to Sony and you say, you know, help me distribute this movie. And they have the connections with all the, the theaters and the uh, of well back when you bought DVDs, all the DVD stores they have all those connections. So they handle that for you Um, much like an artist being signed by a label,
3: Mm. you
2: know, so like the label will give you all the distribution. So usually the studios do all the the distributing, but we decided, you know what, like we'll talk to the the theaters and we'll buy the posters and we'll do all, which is, it was a mess, but it was a lot of fun (laughs) because we got to experiment and learn, you know? So like, so, so the next projects we make will be fr- through a lot of try and error but each time we just got a little bit better
1: you know? yeah well I mean what's really fascinating about what you just described is that's the challenge every startup has is how do you build your audience how do you build your following how do you get people to you know distribute your product buy your product even if you're a direct consumer how do you get people to come to your website buy it how do you get the word of mouth I mean it's it's the it's the same exact challenge. I mean, that's why places like Amazon is a distribution channel, right? That's why they're so powerful. Yeah. That's why Facebook yeah. for social is so powerful. I mean, they build exactly. a platform of all the people. So, wow. Exactly. I mean, that's pretty yeah. amazing. So, as is, is your dad Netflix. Yeah, same yeah, thing. Um, yeah. Is your dad still so doing the production company?
2: Yeah, so so there it's a small involvement, you know, like we haven't made a movie in 5 years or more and uh i really started doing my own thing just because like i think i learned everything i had to
3: mm-hmm. from
2: my dad mm-hmm. you know it, it was it was um it it was like either go work with him or you know go to college in the uk and go get a job somewhere in the uk and i i decided to take the risky uh route and learn from him and that was cool and now i feel like I can do my own things, you know, but the movie business is still around. So if there's a project that's interesting, like we we always take a look, it's, it doesn't take a lot of time. Like you said, it's, if you have a good script and uh, you have a good uh, director or producer, you, all you, you have to do is basically make sure that everything is running well. You know, like the, the, you hire these hundreds of people, which usually the director or producer, does and you you just have to make sure everything is looking okay and on budget and these are depending on how long the movie takes to to film which in our case these are lower budget movies so it's a few months um it's very like short-term work
3: yeah you know
1: yeah i always found it fascinating as a model for creative projects i mean you know it's similar like with a book i mean books take longer than a couple of months but what you end up doing is if you're a self-published author, you know, you spend all your toil and trouble writing the thing. You don't know if it's any good. Then you go hire an editor and then they say, Oh, it's not that great. And then you try to get distribution. And for authors, it's awful. Distribution of books is just awful. Even with the new self-publishing platforms, you you sit there trying to figure out like, well, how do I get this audience? (laughs) It's just, it's insane. It's similar. I mean, it's very similar um, to, to the movie business. And, I always say, w- once the book's done, that's half the battle. Like the other half is trying to market it. I mean, the reason and this why- this goes I'm, with
2: everything. Yeah, I think you're right. So, so, so it's it's um even in startups, like really, if you divide it to their most basic components, so you have to know how to build and you have to know how to sell. Um, and with anything, with a book or with a movie, you know, you make the movie and you sell the movie. So there's always that production and distribution to whatever endeavor uh you 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 choose
1: totally i mean that's actually a really good way to put it build it then you got to sell it and i don't think a lot of entrepreneurs especially technical folk um when it comes to the selling part (laughs) that's the place we fall pretty quick i mean right i've had to learn the hard way about sales (laughs) yeah
2: usually the um, if you look at the those who build, they always find someone who can sell. So if you look at uh, like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, so Steve Wozniak built and Jobs would sell it. You look at uh, Larry Ellison and Bob Miner, so like Bob Miner would build, Larry would sell it. Occasionally, you find that rare, you know, diamond who can both build and sell. So you look at someone like Mark Zuckerberg, or you look at someone like Bill Gates. In a way, um, obviously there's a a bit of interlap uh, with, Mm. with co-founders, but every now and then you find someone who's just good at both. And those are really rare and watch out for them, you know, (laughs) but uh, but most startups, you you have to do both things. Well, you have to build and you have to sell.
1: Yeah. It's such a hard thing. I mean, I've, over time, you know, I've tried to get better at sales and it's one of those things. It's, it feels so, it feels just more challenging. I think I think part of it is just in terms of mentality and attitude and what you're good at and how how you well, if if you've kind of been in organizations and the kind of the sales market and I, I include marketing in this too. Sales and marketing, sort of this nebulous void that sort of, you know, things get sucked into and you hope that money comes out of it, you know? Um yeah. and you know it, it's kind of a harder job than creating actually because you have to try to figure out how to you know have someone part with their money right yeah. hard earned money and you know to have the audacity to say buy my stuff over someone else's stuff is is a you know it, it, it takes some some training some husspa yeah. hutzpa some you know it it it's a different mentality and and you're right i, I it's 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 so hard to do them both well um and i've mm-hmm. really i've found some founders like some startup founders that i know that that kind of have that knack for it but you know the the build it then sell it is such a it's exactly right H- half the battle is building it the other half is selling it so
2: yeah absolutely absolutely
1: and so right now you're doing this thing called most recommended books, which I found pretty darn cool. Cause again, I read a lot. So, uh, and I write books and I always want to figure out like what other people are reading. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what that's about?
2: Yeah. So, uh, with most recommended books, the, the, It's two things. One, I was always saving these lists of books on my Evernote, or now Notion, I guess. I was always saving these lists to myself, and I decided to just share them. Um, uh, And two, uh, I used to write, or I used to blog a lot more. I still blog occasionally, but I used to blog a lot, uh, especially 2017, 2018. And one day I wrote this blog of all the books that Elon Musk recommended on Twitter. Hmm. And that one post made more money than the other 50 plus posts that I I wrote. I spent all of 2017 writing. So one wow. post Yeah, so I so I was like, okay, there's a clear people are clearly interested in in books. So maybe I should do since I have all these notes, you know. So and these notes came from reading all these biographies, you know, so you, you read someone's biography and the biographer says, and he read this book and it changed his life or her life. Right. Um, so I would write it down, you know, and you wouldn't find these lists anywhere else on the internet. So I I, I decided to to put it all in one place. Um, and, and, and it also came from uh, 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 Tim Ferriss's podcast. Uh, he, at the end of every podcast, he asks his guests, what are their favorite books? So I decided to also put all of that in, in one place and, and combine it. And that's where, uh, most recommended books, uh, came from.
1: Wow. So did, did you code it up yourself?
2: Partly. So I have, uh, one of my best friends, uh, we, when one of my blog posts did well, this blog post, um, how to think like a programmer. Uh, it did really well, and so he, he and I talked about uh, working together, and we tried all these little projects. So remember what I said about stumbling onto opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we kind of thought, you know, let's build these little projects until something just just clicks, you know. And this is something this is something we can talk about later because I've noticed this as a pattern amongst um, many if not all successful people, they stumble onto these opportunities. So (laughs) They get lucky. (laughs) uh, There's a lot of hard work and skill, but ultimately you never know. um, I don't know if you've read, there's this book called Facebook Effect about uh, Mark Zuckerberg and how he built Facebook. And the most interesting part of the book to me was early on at Harvard, how many projects he built before Facebook. Yeah. So he built a ton of websites. And even before Harvard, even when he was younger, he would just keep building website off the website, off the website, off the website until Facebook hit. And even after Facebook was a hit in Harvard and other colleges, he he built another project. uh, I think it was called Wirehog or something like that. So this guy was just building and building until something hit. And, And I noticed as... I noticed this pattern. So one thing my friend and I decided is let's just keep building projects, and not be romantic about any of them. Mm. You know, if any of them doesn't, you know, succeed after three months, uh, we'll we'll just uh, uh, you know take it behind the barn. <laughs> and uh, so with with most recommended books, um, we noticed that every month it was making more money, and we weren't very focused on it. You know, we just left it there and every month i was getting more views and making more money and sometime in november i i thought um, okay we should go into this uh full time so now i'm working on my recommended books full time
1: oh wow and and how do you guys make money off of it
2: uh the amazon referral link so every time someone buys a book we get a percentage from from amazon
1: oh okay so it's sort of like affiliate referral link so yep. if you i'll put a i'll put a link to the to the site in the show notes too. Cause it's the, the cool thing is that you can kind of scroll through to the, the, I don't know, famous people, I guess would be the word I would use. <laughs> um, and then you can figure out what they recommend and click, click through. So, okay. So, um, so affiliate model click through and you, and you source all these like recommendations through like, the books, how do you, how do you get, you you alluded to a little bit before about how you get all the recommendations, but can you kind of dig a little deeper into that?
2: Yeah, it it started with, like I said, Tim Ferriss's podcast. So I, I went through every episode he did and I got all the recommendations from the people there. And then for people like Oprah and Bill Gates, so it depends either, either I found them on a biography or you can find them online. So like Bill Gates has um, on his website, the list of books he reads every year. Hmm. So that was easy. Oprah had the Oprah Book Club. Um, Ev Williams from Twitter yep. has a Goodreads account. Yeah, so I could just go there. And yeah, I was going to say
1: Goodreads good is the one that I've. Uh, I mean, I have obviously a Goodreads account, and it's hooked to Amazon, so it knows what I'm reading. And I'm not famous or anything, but I was yeah I was wondering if that if that's another place to grab it.
2: Yeah, so so not many of these people use Goodreads, but yeah. Ev Williams from Twitter is one of them, and Emma Watson, hmm. the actress who who played Hermione, she she also posts a lot on her Goodreads account. So I got quite a lot of books from those two um, people on Goodreads. Hmm. So you know, it's every every place is different, um, and every now and then, like you see an interview on on YouTube or or you read an in interview online, and you know, like Peter Thiel will say this book, blah, blah, blah. And he quotes the book. So I'm like, Oh, he read the book. So let me add it to, to the website.
1: And then are you doing any, I haven't dug super deep into it, but are you then like doing aggregate lists? So like, these are the top 10 books across all these famous folk or are you working on something like that?
2: Yeah. So what I'm most interested in more than knowing which books specific people have read. Um, And this is because everyone's different, right? So like the things that will motivate you and push you to work your best are different from the things that will motivate me and push me. And um, so I thought instead of me just focusing on like, you know, what are Bill Gates's favorite books and and go read those, what are the books that all these, you know, call them successful people or world-class performers what are the books that they all recommend the most? Hmm. And there's a page on my website um, called Top Books where you can see that list. And you can see which are the books that all these 300-plus world-class performers across all sorts of different fields, so it doesn't matter which field you're in, what are the books that they all um, recommend the most in common? And that, to me, is a very interesting list. Yeah. yeah? Because you see some commonly known books but then you see some books where you're like wow this is i wouldn't have put this book in the top 10 yeah or I, I i wouldn't think it was in the top 10 but there it is
1: well, What, what what's one of those books that surprised you
2: so this was a surprise and not really well it, it was a surprise but not really it was um ayn rand i don't know if you've heard of i have of her. i have yeah so so Both her books, um, Atlas Shrugged and Fountainhead, are in the top 10. And it doesn't really surprise you because, um, you know, very motivated people tend to drift towards Ayn Rand. But at the same time, it surprises me because she's a bit of a controversial uh, figure, you know, so no, I mean,
1: (laughs) I mean, she's the I would say when it comes to conservative thought I would say, let's see, yeah, that's probably true she's she's in the canon of conservative libertarianism thought I mean it's definitely she's up there as one of their main scholars
2: right and 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 because of that you, you kind of you don't expect, but at the same time it's not much of a surprise, but the fact that both her books are in the top ten says a lot because these are the some of the most successful people in the world and to Look at the list of top 10 books that they most recommend in common and see oh Ayn Rand is in the top
3: Yeah, both, both of our books, books are in the top
2: 10. Yeah. Uh, you're like okay there's something interesting here you know this this uh, so so I found that uh pretty interesting cuz most people you know they they don't like to say that they read Ayn Rand but uh, <laughs> but there <Yeah>. it is <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, do you is it just nonfiction books or also fiction books?
2: Any any uh, any type of book, so nonfiction and fiction. I think there is a fiction book on the top ten. Uh, I mean, uh, other than Ayn Rand. So there's yeah, because th- those, those two
1: are fictional.
2: Yeah, they're fiction. Um, Alchemist is in the top ten. Yeah, so there's it's uh, it's both. Well,
1: what's the What's the one book that you just said? Oh yeah, of course, everyone's going to read that one in the top ten.
2: Uh no, in the top ten. Uh, um. I th- I think it was a uh, I was referring to Man's Search for Meaning. I'm looking at the list right now. That's okay, why. cool. Um Man's Search for Meaning being mm-hmm. one, Sapiens is another one. Mm-hmm. Like Sapiens is one of these books where everybody has read it. Yep. So I I wasn't surprised to see it in the top 10. Yeah. Um yeah, these uh these are the books.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it is it is interesting to kind of cross over like what 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 are the, you know, in the I guess I don't know to me, it's like the canon of, I don't know, I don't want to call them like successful people, although they are, but the canon of knowledge for, you know, public figures or successful folk or have some notoriety. Because I mean, there's the, I think the list has got obviously the business people, then there's obviously politicians and actors who, who, who have a certain amount of notoriety, I guess. And yes to to kind of understand the canon for which they pull from that's pretty pretty interesting idea i mean i guess i should go try to read i tried to read um atlas shrug before i just did, couldn't get through it but that's just me um i like to read other things uh but interesting so so well,
2: there's something for everyone right so, so yeah. like i said um, the the here, here, Here's something I found very interesting from putting this list together. And it's how much we don't realize how brilliant St- Steve Jobs was. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because as I look at the books recommended by most tech founders, um, you'll always find the usual suspects, right? So you're always going to find Hard Thing About Hard Things. You're always going to find Zero to One. You're always going to find Andy Grove's books um every every person in tech will recommend these books and most of their lists consist of of these books but with steve jobs um he was completely different from any of these other like i think he has one andy grove book in there Mm. and that's it where most of his list is i have 30 books that steve jobs uh read or at least has like admitted to reading. He read it through <laughs> sources. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his list is all about mysticism, spirituality, you know, yogis. I, I believe his favorite book was Autobiography of a Yogi. Mm. Um, that reads more like, you know, uh, yoga instructor than taxi yo. Yep. Yep. And when I look at that list and when I look at how different he was from the norm, It just makes me think like you you can look at the books that everyone recommends and that is very interesting, but ultimately it's all about finding what really works for you, you know? And if it's spirituality and mysticism and, you know, uh, vegetarian diets, like go for it. You know, it doesn't have to be the same as all these other people, even though I I still find it interesting. But um, his list just showed me that, you can go completely different uh, on a different path from the Norman and still be fine. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I mean, he, 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 you know, everyone talks about him cause he was at a different, he was on a different level, I think in terms yes. of the way he thought about things and just general kind of attitude. I mean, as you, as you mentioned before we started recording, you know, he, he was notoriously not a very nice guy, or at least he was pretty hard on his people. And, mm-hmm you know if you just took that as the one aspect of him to emulate which is a bad thing to emulate you never want to you know be cruel or mean to people this doesn't work in the long run um you know it, it's like there's the whole person that you have to consider uh and part of it's what they read part of it's what the, what influences them and 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 how how they go about the world and their philosophy and yeah. That's the thing that I find the most fascinating about what you're trying to do, the books and, you know, the people that I, you know, like to follow and kind of look up to in terms of, you know, mentors that, that I've never met, but mentors I can learn from is how these books shape their philosophy, because what I've also found through my, you know, doing this podcast and the books I write and, you know, the future books I'm going to write is that, um, you know the canon of knowledge in the world you know most people have said it before right <laughs> i mean there's patterns you know there's there's stories has structure and the structure of story is you know been there throughout time it's baked in our dna we we just know a good story when we hear it we know what moves us we 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 have that because throughout time we have had to use story in order to survive so all of us that are here today have survived because our ancestors told the better story than the ancestors to, you know, in the next village over or the next tribe, because we had to, right. I mean, that's how we survive. So it resonates with us just like it resonates. Negativity resonates with us as opposed to positivity because the negative things are what we had to remember to not get eaten by the saber tooth tiger. It's just fundamentally in our, in our core DNA and our structure. Um,
2: but I'm guessing you've read either sapiens or Joseph Campbell's work. Oh yeah. Yeah. The hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm really into story. I'm a certified story grid editor, which is uh, a methodology that that we use or that I, that I use to all my books and how I analyze story. And the guy that came up with it, Sean Coyne, he's, he's the one that was the wrote the whole story. grid. He, he's, he works with Stephen Pressfield on all his books and, of course anyone that's anyone in creativity needs to read Stephen Pressfield's stuff. Cause yes. it's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, it's an incredible, Resistance. yeah, credible in yeah. you know, the, 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 war of art and just yeah. all his stuff's awesome. Um, totally. but, totally. but, but what Sean did in his book called the story grid is that he made a quantitative approach to how to write better stories based on the monomyth and Joseph Campbell based on, uh, you know, Robert McKee and all his work. I mean, cause, these all have themes right you 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 can analyze a story and you know it works because it's got these themes right or it's got these specific right. conventions or the genre okay. obligatory yeah. scenes as an example so yeah. i i i i really find this really cool because i'm i'm always looking to try to figure out how to write better stories not only for my books but obviously you know, if you want to, uh, persuade and influence people to buy stuff, uh, the company or organization that tells the best story will win in the long run. It just will. And, and
2: I agree. And, and, and by the way, like what you're saying, what what you're saying really resonates with me, because part of building most recommended books is, um, so you talk about Joseph Campbell and he talks about archetypes, right? So you construct these archetypes and you can use this archetypal hero's journey and you can put it on different um characters so the same hero's journey uh fits harry potter and it fits uh, lord of the rings and it fits star wars you construct this archetypal story and through the the patterns among these archetypes you can you can apply them to different different stories so with most recommended books really Uh, part of what i like about this is that i can construct like you mentioned before i have um, lists of people who are successful in tech people who are successful in politics people who are successful writers so you can construct your archetypal writer so you look at the books that all the writers on my website have recommended or you look at the the books that all the entrepreneurs on my website have recommended and you look at which books they've recommended in common. So you construct the archetypal founder or the archetypal writer, and you're always going to find patterns. So like with writers, I noticed that a lot of them uh, recommend, um, and bird by bird.
3: Hmm. Uh,
2: that's a very popular, or, or Stephen Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield's war of art is, is another very recommended amongst writers, you know? So, um, that's something I like about the website is you can construct these archetypal um, insert you know investor the archetypal investor will, will recommend very similar books so and and then you 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 can start there and then find your own voice amongst yeah. that
1: yeah I mean I, I, you're that's that's actually a really good point because there there's the canon of knowledge. That if you're going to be a writer or an investor or an actor or an entrepreneur or an engineer, right? I mean, the the quicker you learn the canon, mm-hmm. the, the more kind of baseline, the standard in which to like launch off. Because what, what's interesting is that um, when you look at like how people become successful, as an example, um, there was a study that someone did about the Pareto principle. and They basically ran a simulation to prove that the Pareto principle is, actually holds true for luck or for success and accumulation of wealth and, and all these sort of things. And the Pareto principle was this it's, – it's the 80-20 rule, which a lot of people um, know. Uh, and the, the, the thing that's, that's fascinating about that – And why, as an example, there's such a disparity in wealth inequality, um, which this actual um, simulation proved that generally what happens is that wealth accumulates with smaller amounts of people. Basically, 20% of the people own 80% of the wealth in general Mm -hmm. because it has something to do with luck and opportunity. So if you are... If you have the and the skill, so if, if you've got the skills, and then you're given opportunities, and then you have a little bit of luck, and it's the luck that that that's what kind of determines it. Um, then over like time, I said, you stumble. Right, exactly. Yeah. The, exactly, your point about the stumble, right? But but the yeah. thing that that people don't understand, and and they and 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 it's it's a hard thing to kind of quantify, or at least it's a hard thing to swallow, <laughs> is that some people are unlucky. And there's nothing you can do about that except Mm -hmm. you can try to give them more opportunity, but you can also give them the skills to take advantage of the opportunity. And that's the most important like policy thing that people can do is skills and then opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, because you will never have equal outcome ever. It just never goes there. Yeah. Yeah, Right. And, And I'm sure if you look through all these books, And, and, you know, how that kind of canon of knowledge, you'll, you'll sort of see, um, what would be really interesting is that if you have, if you start doing like autobiographies of famous people and kind of dissecting them that way, where, um, like, what are some of the, you know, how often do they say certain things, you know? So as an example, you could, you could kind of empirically prove that, oh yeah, they had a lot of skill, but also, boy, they got lucky because they were at the right place at the right time or, you know,
2: this had. is part of why uh, when I say s- stumble onto the opportunity, like um, it's, it, it, it kind of sounds like I'm kidding, but not really. If You can take the same skillful person or intelligent person. You can take the same person with the same level of intelligence, the same level of skill, and one project succeeds and the other doesn't. Yeah. So a good example here is Jeff Bezos, where his first startup, I forgot what it was, failed his second startup I hear did pretty well. So, and Steve jobs was the same way. So Apple did well and, um, next did not do well. So the luck factor is, 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 um, uh, a a big factor, you know, and this is part of my, my joke about stumbling onto opportunity and not being too romantic about your work. You, you keep trying different things until, um, until something hits. And, um, And, you know, like, again, like every rule has exceptions. So Mm -hmm. every now and then you'll, you'll have someone like, uh, like Elon Musk, who, you know, he, he launches Tesla and SpaceX and by hook or crook, he's going to make it work. You know, he, he could lose his entire net worth, but no matter what, he's going to work hard, um, to, to, to make it work. So I'm not saying like, just launch something and, and give up on it if it's, if it doesn't work, but, um, most of the people I've studied, so whether Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, like it, it, it was a lot of um, stumbling on. They're very good at seizing these opportunities. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know? So taking That's, advantage of the luck
2: was... of the luck factor, yeah. like you said, yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Which yeah.
2: you can have the same scale, you can have the same intelligence, you can have a lot being the similar, the same team, um, but you you also have to be able to to. Um, ride the luck factor um so that's that's very important
1: is is the luck factor on anyone's list
2: oh is that a book it is a book oh, I, uh, it is a book i have i didn't i i didn't know maybe it is i'd have to, to look it up um let's see. it's
1: uh, yeah i mean we we can put a link to the show in the show notes if it's there but the I, I actually read that book about five or six years ago no it was long it was like 10 years ago um, okay. and, and one of the, again the premise being that the the more you know time at bat, the more oppor- the more risk you take, the more things you do, uh, the luckier you mm-hmm. get. And 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 this holds true. I mean, in, everyone in their kind of gut knows that the more uh, times you do something, chances are you're going to be successful at it. And and a lot of it. What's really interesting is how people build up the things. So, um, there, you know, Scott Adams. I'm sure you've heard of him.
2: So you just said Scott Adams, by the way. Yeah. And I, I looked at who recommended the Luck Factor, and and he did. <laughs> He's the one person on the website. Oh, cool. Who recommended? Well, yeah. Well, he, Richard so, Wiseman.
1: Yeah. He, he. Yeah. Yeah. He. So yeah. So and I'll put a link to it because it's and the, the reason why it's so important to to realize this and because one of the things that I've done. Just recently, um, not recently, maybe with like like five or six years, is that I, I work with professional athletes and I help them with their foundations. And I and one of the things that they always want to do is help kids, like help kids just like them. Most athletes came from nothing; they came from poverty. They, you know, they had all the the literally everything against them, except they worked really hard at a sport which they had a talent for and a lot of them got lucky. And and you can see, because you see all the friends they played with in college, you know, the, the, it's interesting that the statistics on, if you played college football as an example, like Division 1A college football, the chance that you're going to get in the NFL is the exact same chance that you're going to hit a unicorn. It's about 1.2%. So that's Those odds are really low, right? So you're like, well, you know, literally the people that got there, not only were they good, because again, you get to college 1A ball, you're good. But they also, of course, they worked hard and they did all they had to do. But a lot of it is also luck because there's only a certain amount of people in the NFL and, you know, it could be the way the draft goes. And if you look at like the combine scores and all that, you know, they've done statistics. It doesn't really matter. Like There's yeah. no really direct correlation to like, your combine score and how well you do in the NFL because then you get to the yeah. NFL and the average NFL player lasts a year, if that, a year and a half because they get hurt or right. whatever. So yeah. this is really like a luck of the draw. I'm yeah. not, not going to discount that. They work really, really hard, but- that's
2: This is something I wanted to, to say because yeah. I, I don't want people to think I, I think it's all luck. So um, I, I think- um, I saw a great quote recently by this actor Shah Rukh Khan. He's he's like the Tom Cruise of India. He's, he's oh, cool. super famous. So he has like three billion fans. You know that's that's wow. the meme. And uh, and something he he tweeted something that I found so interesting lately, where someone was talking about extreme stardom. So like what you see with him or with someone like like Bieber, um, and and he he responded something like extreme stardom. Is an accident that happens to very hardworking people. Yeah. So, you know, like the accident part is what we're talking about—the luck. But you—you you cannot ignore the the very hardworking part. You know, like the, the you won't get as lucky as um, a, a very successful NFL player or a very successful uh, entrepreneur or founder if uh, you don't also have the. The other factors, so hard work being one of them. If you're not working extremely hard, um, the the luck that we're talking about won't uh, won't appear. So it's not like luck is the only factor that matters.
3: Yeah, you know, agreed. There
2: are many other factors, of course. Agreed. But, uh, but luck is a factor. Yeah, that's, that's
1: yeah. yeah I think important. I. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm actually glad you clarified that because, yeah, I'm not saying that these guys don't work hard. They work extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. they the opportunities they have gotten is because they've worked really hard. And the thing that I think we that that we try to instill in these kids, right? So, a lot of these kids that we work with, um, you know, they want are like I want to go to the NFL as an example, right? Like I want to go to the mm-hmm. NFL, and generally statistics are low, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That you're going to do yeah. that. It's, it's
3: yeah.
1: you know from. As a kid, all the way to the NFL is, you know, it's it's less than 0.1%. I mean, it's just ridiculously low. So that means that that option, albeit you could work hard for it and you could try to do it, you should have a backup plan. And mm-hmm. the thing that that we've found is that we have to expose them to the opportunities and that there's other things they can do because a lot of times they don't know that they could be an engineer, they could work in sports as a sportscaster or in the back office. I mean, they're not exposed. They could be an entrepreneur. A lot I mean, now a lot of athletes are entrepreneurs, they do tech investment, they do all sorts of great things because they realize, like, my career in the NFL is going to, or NBA or whatever is going to be mm-hmm. not the whole entirety of my life. And if I get hurt, then what do I do? Right. So right. I, 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 I see, I see that as a really kind of powerful thing to, to instill in a lot of other people. Cause again, you may not have the natural talent. You gotta go do something else, but the, the you know, getting back to Scott Adams and some of the things that he talks about, um, when, when these, you know, this issue or not issue, when he talked about luck and taking care of opportunity or, or being available, having an opportunity for you. He 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 calls it a skill stack. So mm-hmm. he always wants to improve his skill stack. So yeah. what he may be doing or even, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, why am I doing a podcast in the middle of a pandemic? I literally started this podcast the day shelter in place order carried out in San Francisco. Like the timing is either great or I'm, an, cool. <laughs> I'm a knucklehead, right? But why am I doing it? Want to? Of course, I want to talk to other people like you. I want to get to know you. Now that we know each other, that we may be able to help each other, or we may not. But but we now we know of each other. But more importantly, it's a skill, and I'm building up this skill stack. That now, hey, I can talk into a microphone. I can produce a podcast. If I ever, you know, had the opportunity to go do something else, like the the, the first podcast I ever did was something called the Story Grid Editor Roundtable Podcast, and I did it for five seasons with bunch of great people that they still do it. Um, I actually left to go do this podcast because, you know, we, I had, you know, we had different, um, you know, they had different like ideas. I had different ideas and we're like, okay, well, I'll just go do my own thing. Cause, cause I was looking at it more towards business and they were looking at it more towards the art and craft of writing, which is where it started off. But that all happened because we were all study Buddies. We, we we're we a study group. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. we started recording them. And then Sean Coyne and Tim Grawl, who, who do StoryGrid, we sent them a recording. We're like, hey, we're thinking about doing a podcast. They're like, yeah, go for it. This sounds great. And we're like, uh, it's not really that, Yeah, you know, we're a little scared about it. But mm-hmm. I learned a ton from them yeah. about how to do show notes, how to produce a podcast, what's, you know, the, oh, I mean, invaluable. But it was literally like right place, right time, right skills. Right. We were learning, you know, it was just story grid was just starting. Now it's a lot bigger than it was, which is just awesome. And they just like are now taking it to such an, another level of, of just quality. Cool. It's just awesome. Right. That's very
2: cool.
1: But it's fun. the skill stack, right? You don't know what you don't know. And like, it may not work out, but I learned it, you know, I learned a ton about something and now I can go do something else. You know what I mean? It, it, I like the yeah. fact that.
3: I
2: totally get it. Yeah. yeah, the 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 skill stack thing is something that um, I I I also read quite a bit about uh, uh, Scott's work, his his book. I think it was recommended on Tim Ferriss' show. So like, how to uh, fail everything and still win big. So yeah. the skill stack was the concept that I most like from that book, and yeah. it is what you can plot the success of most recommended books directly to that concept. Because I also heard Sam Harris talking about this, where he said. I'm not the best writer. I'm not the best neuroscientist. I'm not the best, I don't know, something else, meditator. But you combine these three skills and you get something special. And um, you look at Steve Jobs, like he wasn't the best programmer. He wasn't the best designer. Um, he was not he, he was a great salesman, uh, maybe not the best. But you combine these skills and, and you get something very special. And um, so that's why I, I started uh, st- stacking these skills. Um, I blogged for a year. Every week I would post something differently. I learned finance obsessively. I spent all of 2016 just reading about finance. I spent all of 2017 just blogging. Uh, 2018 was was all about learning how to program and Lambda. And, uh, and now you get, you know, you, you put these skills together, like my, my, my writing skills and my programming skills and somewhat of design, even though that's really lacking. But I'm not the best programmer and I'm not the best writer I'm not the best designer. I'm not the best salesperson. But you combine these skills and and you get something um, pretty cool, which which is uh, most recommended books. And, you know, like obviously on most recommended books, I I work with all the people. So uh, one of my best friends, Anurag, he's a far better programmer than me. But if I didn't have at least some programming skills, you know, I would be way – I would be super useless with with this website at least with this website, like um, he and I built it together you know and and uh, we were both both our skills were were ran precious to uh, to this website. so um, having a, a stack of skills is is always valuable you know and that's something that I very much believe in as well.
1: Great. well. Richard, it's been a wonderful conversation. I I got a ton out of it, and it's super cool that you used to do uh, movies with your dad and still sort of do. And, uh, yeah, you know, good luck with uh, most recommended books, and uh, thanks for the uh, conversation.
2: Yeah, this flew by. Thank you so much, Tori.
1: Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting thedailymba.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest that you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about in this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.